a brand new episode of Behind the Sounds. I'm super excited to be joined today by Lindsay L. Thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to chat with you. How are you? Leah, it is such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Yeah, so good. Super excited. I know you have had like such a busy few months, few years. Um, how has it been? Obviously, the, obviously previous to the start of this year, everything was a little bit shut down, but you seem to just be so busy. How has it been? Are you enjoying it being back on the road and out there again? Yeah, I have been so grateful. I've been so grateful for, um, you know, things opening up again and, and live shows being a thing again in front of human beings. Um, it has been obviously an art that, that, um, has been, uh, sad to, to have said goodbye to over the past couple of years. So, um, I'm very happy to welcome that back into real life and, and perform in front of, um, smiling faces again. That has felt so, so good. Yeah. And it was, it was, as you say, like, it's such a shame because it was obviously, uh, you know, an industry that was affected so, so much, but I love talking about, I find that during that pandemic, actually it was an industry that in a sense really benefited. Um, do you think, because obviously music's such a healer, do you think that, you know, your music and your fans and your relationship with your fans benefited from that kind of period of downtime? Yeah, I think that as humans, we all benefited a little bit um, if we can really dig deep down over the past couple of years. You know, obviously a lot of us have been navigating so many ups and downs for so many different reasons, but I think that um, the past couple of years have given us all a chance to sort of look back and evaluate what's going on in our lives and um, what's going on in our lives and and appreciate the things that maybe we have taken for granted in the past and and maybe look at our our jobs or our lives and and get more efficient at how we do our jobs or how much time we spend doing our jobs and maybe we have found um you know places in our our day that we can spend more time with our loved ones or our family or friends and um so i think that over the past couple of years um hopefully we've found a, a number of ways to improve our lives and and just be more grateful for the things that we do have in our lives and um and so I'm I'm very grateful for the past couple of years I think that as an artist who used to be on the road 235 days a year um or 235 shows a year or two 280 days we would spend on the year I just wasn't home a lot and we were moving so fast that then to go 100 miles an hour down to zero um it it just felt like everything everything came to a crashing halt and then I was quarantined in a house by myself in four walls for a hundred days where I didn't literally interact with one human you know let alone the past couple years just living you know a completely different life as everyone has and and um and as a creative and as a songwriter um, was able to really feel emotions in a whole new way. And, um, you know, shortly into the pandemic, releasing my second album, Heart Theory, um, was, was a vastly emotional process, um, let alone writing a record that was probably one of the most vulnerable projects I've ever released to this point. And 
um, and and yet also releasing a project that we had all of these crazy things planned and we weren't able to do any of them because we were in the middle of a global pandemic and then feeling the the wonderful um benefits of technology and how incredible it is that you can release music and it can be heard and seen and felt and enjoyed around the world because of it um was was something that was was so cool to really live and and feel um and and yet you know it's one thing to write songs as a songwriter and then record them but then to release a record like heart theory that i felt like was my musical diary top to bottom and was was an album i just wanted fans to be able to listen to and and feel my process as i slowly unraveled each track i mean i wrote that record in order for a reason and um and so I'm so grateful for the past couple of years. I've learned so much about myself and, and I feel like today show up as a more grateful, appreciative person because of it. I absolutely love that. I think, and what you're saying as well, you know, a lot, so many people have released music in the pandemic that, you know, were big, emotional, vulnerable projects, but actually in a sense, it was kind of nice that it, it couldn't go anywhere if you know what I mean yeah it just meant so much more and I, I absolutely love that and we'll talk a little bit about heart theory later but I, I want to go like I love to talk about like in childhood how people got into music because one of the things and again we'll, we'll speak about it a lot is as much as you're an incredible singer and songwriter you are one of the most talented musicians in country music <laughs> very known for it and um, where does that come from how young did you start playing music Music was always a part of my life ever since I was a little girl. I um, I was singing ever since I could talk. I started playing piano as my first instrument when I was six years old and then um, picked up the guitar when I was eight because it was a lot cooler to play Shania Twain songs compared to classical concerto number whatever when I'm eight years old. And um, and so I just was surrounded by by instruments all the time. My my parents or my older brother, none of them do music professionally, but um, everybody in my family plays an instrument. And so around holidays or family get-togethers, there was always lots of music happening and family jam sessions. And when I was a little girl, I would go to bluegrass camps with my dad and follow my dad and all of his friends around. And we just play fiddle tunes till three in the morning. And it, I, I was just really raised by a very musically rich culture around me and um and I, I started playing you know music live at a really young age I started writing songs and playing shows when I was 10 years old and so it just was like a, a way of life for me you know other other kids had pretty busy social lives throughout school and and being teenagers and I would just play shows I had friends in school but I really would tour a lot. And that was sort of my social life in a way um, or lack thereof <laughs> social life. But, um, but yeah, music was just my, my life and my language. And um, I think it was when I was around 15 or 16, you know, I was playing so much at that point, like gigging was definitely a part of my life that um, it just, made sense that oh this is this is a really good way to to live life and how crazy would it be if I turned this into my job like what um so from a really young age it was just part of my my day-to-day -day. it was in my blood it was in my veins 
Yeah, I, I, it sounds like it is. And obviously being that young and, and gigging a lot, did you, was it always just fun or did you feel a lot of pressure? Because that is a really young age to kind of be going out and, you know, trying to impress people and all that. But did you just yeah. love it? The pressure didn't come till later in life. Like when I said, because I started touring and, and playing music since I was a little music was always just so fun. It, there was nothing else that would quite tap into that part of my brain of just anything is possible and this is amazing. And as a guitar player, I mean, I still am just totally overtaken by curiosity of what else could I play and how cool could this sound and what other guitar player pedals could I plug into other guitar pedals to make cool sounds. And like that, that part of my brain is still just completely overwhelmed with curiosity, which I hope that never leaves. Um, you know, I was touring with Buddy Guy when I was 18 and, and seeing a man who was, you know, in his early seventies at that point, um, touring still with the charisma of like a five-year-old boy at times, I was like, if that is the spark of life that I never want to leave. And, and I think music has always really embraced that part of me. Um, you know, I, I obviously grew up playing country music and bluegrass music with my dad when I was little, but when I turned 13, I started um, working with a guy by the name of Randy Bachman from this band called BTO and, and the Guess Who. And if you've ever heard of songs like um, These Eyes or American Woman or Baby, just ain't seen nothing yet. Like he would, he came from the classic rock world. And so as a musician, I, um, I started working with Randy and would watch him play like all these crazy jazz chords up and down the neck of the guitar. And I would just sit there as a little girl being like, Randy, what's that? That's so cool. And um, so Randy really opened up my brain and my eyes to the world of rock guitar and jazz and blues that as a musician gave me a completely new vocabulary to pull from. And um, sort of from when I was 13 to 20, I didn't listen to anything but that kind of music. And I just dove deep into those worlds. And, you know, then shortly after that, moving to Nashville, it brought me back to my country roots as a songwriter. But I just had all of these other influences that I could pull from um, in terms of, you know, a sonic space of music. And, you know, I've never really looked at music as it should be one genre anyways. I think that as humans, we just listen to music because it's good music and it makes us feel things. And we listen to songs that make us connect to things in our own lives. And so I think from a very early age, I've just been in a melting pot from day one of, of how I learned music and, and, and took it into my bones and then eventually started playing. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's always just been from a place of something that's brought me so much joy and also something that doesn't need to be categorized within boundary lines. I, I'm such an advocate of that because and I think also as a fan you can hear it in your music and actually mm -hmm. it's so much more interesting as a fan and as a, as a music fan to hear different genres in in people's records which which you can with yours. What I, I want to know is obviously when you kind of discover you want to do music full-time you're like right I'm going to make a career out of this what obviously you say you play a lot of country and bluegrass with your dad but why did you decide Nashville was the place to go and to to pursue your career you know I always wanted to move to the states to sign a record deal um it was it was definitely on my bucket list of of dreams ever since I was a little and 
um, I went to Los Angeles first to, um, to, to write with a bunch of songwriters there. And I remember just um, trying to find my, my click and my people there. And it's just such a big city that um, I was so young at the time. And, and I remember somebody saying, you know, I think you really like Nashville. I think you should check it out. And, and um, I, I knew like one person's name on a piece of paper when I first came to town and, and had my guitar in my back when I walked off the plane. And, and I just remember coming to Nashville that first time feeling so welcomed. I felt like it, it felt like home, like Canada, you know, everybody was just so friendly and that Southern hospitality thing. And they'd be like, come on over to the house after and we'll cook you dinner and we'll have a jam session. And I was like, what is this place? Like this place is crazy. Who are these people? Why are they being so nice to me? Um, it was very different from LA in that respect. And so I just felt so at home and um, and so drawn to Nashville. And at the time, obviously I was still a Canadian, so I didn't have a visa and I didn't have any way of making money. And so I would go back and forth between Calgary where I lived and Nashville every two weeks. I um, I was, you know, taking care of myself. And so I was waiting tables. I was going to school at the time and I was gigging on the weekends to make enough money to buy a plane ticket to go down to Nashville to write songs for two weeks where then I would try to meet as many people as I could. I would write triples, which um, we call that in town is basically you write three songs a day. So you write one from like 10 to two, you write another one from three to six, you write another one from seven to 10. And then I'd go to writer's rounds at night watching these incredible songwriters play these massive hit songs that you're like whoa that person wrote that song that's insane um and then I'd go up to them after this writer around and be like hey my name is Lindsay will you write a song with me and so at that point I was just like I know nobody in this town I'm starting my life over in a brand new country like I need to meet people and it was the only way I knew how to do that and so I would go to the Nashville and book myself solid for two weeks then fly back to Calgary and work and play shows and go to school and write midterms and do all the things to make enough money to buy a plane ticket to go back down to Nashville. And I did that for about a year and a half, going back and forth and back and forth, just trying to meet enough people to, to make ends meet and, um, and, and survive basically, and essentially get my first visa to be able to move down to the States full time. And um, once I was able to do that, I just felt like, okay, things were a way to the races. Like mom and dad, I am ready to be a rock star. This is all happening and coming together. And, um, and so shortly after, after that, when I finally got my first visa, I, um, I signed my first record deal. And now, gosh, it feels like, it feels like yesterday. That's amazing. I cannot believe you did that. I mean, obviously it paid off well, but what dedication to, to be able to do that. And I, I love that you just go up to people at writer's rounds. Do you ever, do you get people asking you that now, you know, all these years later, do you get people coming up to you after shows and being like, will you write a song with me? Yes. Well, yeah, it is crazy to like, see how life comes full circle in so many ways. I mean, even when I think back to when I was eight years old singing into the mirror with like a plastic microphone. My mom got me from the dollar store, like wanting to be Shania Twain. And now fast forward years later, I'm opening up for Shania Twain later this year. It's, it's just wild how <laughs> life has these like circular ways of, of, of coming around. And, um, and yeah, I do have people come up to, 
me to say those things or say, Lindsay, you've inspired me to start learning how to play the guitar. And it's just wild. It's wild. And if anything, if I have learned anything being in this industry, I mean, knowing like Shania and Sheryl Crow and Bonnie Raitt and all these incredible musicians who have inspired me, like if they are passing the torch, I just take that as like a full responsibility of, okay, now I need to inspire the next generation of artists who will then get the torch passed to them and then they will inspire the generation after that. And, and so it's, it's almost just like, I feel the onus to write and record really great music. Like all of that just makes me feel, okay, you have a job to do and you, you cannot hold that torch lightly. Mm-hmm. And well, you're doing a very, very good job of it. I, I absolutely love that. And I think particularly, obviously, women in country music and women in music in general. And I love that you mentioned, obviously, Shania and Cheryl Crow, because these are people that really did, you know, make way as, as musician singers as well, you know. And yes. talking of the music and of all this incredible thing you've done, fast forward a couple of years, I'm sure, from that, from those, those stories, but your, your debut kind of albums and EPs all came out and it, it seemed as a fan perspective quite a whirlwind that it just all of a sudden you were everywhere obviously with the project and was that experience did it seem like a whirlwind kind of releasing it or or did it seem like a long time coming uh both in the same moment um for sure more of a whirlwind than anything I I remember yeah signing my first record deal and then getting to release song after song after song and then finally getting to release my first album the project was like whoa what is happening this is the moment I've been waiting for and then to realize that you know as as human beings on this planet who like to set goals and achieve and do all the things and and be control freaks and all of the things that I define my crazy brain as um you you get to do something like that, that has been highly anticipated and something you have waited for so long. And then it only opens up a door to another room of 10 more doors that you've got to figure out how to then strategize and work through and, and figure out how to open those doors, which is, I guess, just a, a motivating thing to, to keep us on our feet and always working towards the next thing. But, um, but yeah, getting to release the project, my first album was like such a, uh, a, a cool thing to finally be able to do and and embrace and and release a full statement to the world you know it wasn't just like a snippet of a song or a snippet of a song or a snippet of a song it was like here is a record an album um and it just you know laid the groundwork to then being able to release heart theory and now working on my third album um being able to release that and so it is it's it's a beautiful thing that I think while you know our our world in a lot of ways is is moving to this more um, more music more quickly and like a, a single world perhaps um, I, some of my favorite artists are still releasing albums which are, are my favorite thing because it seems like you get you know not just a, a snippet or a few sentences but you get the full chapter or the full novel um, at once. I'm the same I am one of these people that I'm an album person you know yeah I love single I love listening to the radio but give me an album <laughs> um and I'm I always so with say you, 
uh, everything sounds better on vinyl because it's it's how it's meant to be played you know top to bottom um yeah in the midst of all that something I have to talk about is obviously you say it opened doors for you something you did after your first album was released is was the continuum project which as a John Mayer super fan as many many people are what a thing to do and um, what encourage it was was it the fans that encouraged you to do that am I right so it was actually the producer of my first album um Christian Bush from a little band called Sugarland if people are familiar with them um Christian is just so brilliant he is a mastermind and I actually recorded the continuum project before I even recorded the project wow. um it was it was a sort of homework assignment that he gave me because I was I was going in the studio I was writing a lot and I was just not knowing exactly how I wanted the project before I even knew it was going to be called the project to sound and so he was like Lindsay what's your favorite album of all time and I was like easy Con the continuum by John Mayer it's like the best record and he was like, perfect. I want you to go record the whole thing. And then I was like, what? And he said, yeah, I want you to record the whole record, top to bottom, play every instrument, sit in your little hole in the office studio and record the whole thing. Cause I'm kind of a studio nerd and I like play a whole bunch of instruments. And, and, um, and I was like, oh, okay. Okay, let's, let, I can do that. That sounds easy. I know this record so much. I can sing every part on that record. And, um, and so I, I didn't necessarily know what I was jumping into at that point, but I worked every single day, like 7am till 3am every day, like working on that record. And, and it, it didn't even scratch the surface to what I wanted to do in terms of jumping into a project like that. But it was, it was essentially intended as a homework assignment for me to just take a look of that record under a magnifying glass. Like I knew the, that record so much and I knew that album so much, those songs, but to study it to the point where then you can recreate it and re-record it, that's like a different level of studying. Mm -hmm. And so even that that project alone was just a, a deeper understanding of why you love what you love. You know, it's like when you love a certain meal that you're eating and then you figure out what are the ingredients and how to make that meal like that is a different understanding of that process than just yeah. eating it and so that's kind of what the continuum project was to me and it was never intended to be released like I didn't perfect things I, I was just learning them and then you know replaying it in in the space of me learning it and then after talking about it a little bit, when the project did come out as sort of the road of how we got there, fans started asking about it. And so that's where fans were like, we want to hear this. We mm -hmm. want to hear this. And then I look at Christian, I'm like, this was never intended to come out. And, and he was like, it's, it's all good. It's, it's, it's so cool. Cause it's like an interpretation from your perspective and nothing would ever top John's version of continuum. Cause it is the ultimate perfection. But if anything, we muted all of my drum tracks, all of my drum tracks that I tirelessly like went and programmed, which you can never fully program Steve Jordan as a drummer because he's just such a, a special drummer um, as who he is. But I tried, like there were some fills that took me hours, like one bar took me hours figuring out what he was doing. And, um, and yet Christian was like, no, we should mute all the drums and make this be like a, a cool, like organic raw version of continuum. And so I was like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. um, but 
releasing that project was just so rewarding. And um, it was, it was amazing to be able to just speak to how much I've been influenced from John's writing and who he is as an artist and as a songwriter. Um, and then, you know, fast forward years later to be able to collaborate with him a little bit. And, um, and he's just been so, so gracious and wonderful. And, and when he heard the Continuum Project, he was like, thank you so much for recording an album. Like nobody had ever done that for me before. And, and um, I just think it, it's so cool. And, uh, and so he's just been so wonderful and supportive. And, and then this past, a, a few months ago, um, he was recording a commercial for his brand new guitar that he's been working on with um, PRS, uh, the Silver Sky SE. And he called a few artists to be a part of this commercial for the guitar. And he only called a handful of artists. And I was on that list and I was like, this is wild. Like again, another example of how life comes in these full circle moments. And just, he's such an artist that I truly look up to. And then to, you know, show up that day and play guitar in front of him for 45 minutes. I was like, what makes me worthy of this moment? Um, I'm just so grateful to John. He's He's such a cool dude and cool person and arguably one of the best musicians and songwriters um, of our time, I think, uh, personally. And so um, so the Continuum Project was something that I just learned so much from. And um, I'm, I'm really grateful for having done and, and be able to show the world a little bit of it. I, I love that. And I, I love that it, it's come full circle in such a good way. I think, and I'm sure you probably felt the same, but even as a fan um, of that record, which, as you say, one of the greatest records of all time, when you hear that someone's kind of like going to cover the whole thing, you're a bit like, oh, okay, that's, mm -hmm. that's risky. <laughs> Did, mm -hmm. Was there a part of you that didn't want to put it out because of, because of, what potential reaction could be obviously it was a hundred percent yes I was like Christian Bush I am gonna get chastised for like recording a <laughs> whole record somebody's like full blood sweat and tears that they have have created in such a perfect way and and you know this snapshot of their life and I am just taking it and like putting my version out there into the world like it's one thing to cover one song but to do a full album is very ballsy and um, and it was something that I was nervous about for sure, but, um, but just the whole story around it and, and what I learned from it was just too precious to not be able to share. I, I love that. And yeah, and it obviously paid off very well. Um, <laughs> and I, I love, and I also from hearing it, you know, as a, with a female voice is also one of them things that I think makes a massive difference. And then talking of obviously big albums, putting your heart and soul into it fast forward a few years to, to heart theory which we've we spoke about a little bit earlier obviously you said you know such a vulnerable personal album and I think from someone who is just a music fan it's it's a record that you can hear that and you I, I and as I just said I listen every time an album comes out I listen top to bottom and I love that you you say you know you put it in that order for a reason because that's how they're meant to be um released it at a very kind of unknowing time obviously with with the pandemic and everything but leading up to to that record um what did you want to come out of it yeah I I was so excited about um releasing Heart Theory this album meant so much to me and um 
Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I I do feel like there are a lot of people left in the world who love to listen to full albums and full projects. And and it was really important to me to release a, a project that was very cohesive and very intentional about every aspect of it. I wrote this record to anybody who is struggling, navigating through a difficult time in their life, whether that's a breakup, losing a job, moving across the country, losing a loved one, whatever it may be, going through a global pandemic. Um, you know, it was written around that process. You know, there's so many different ways of talking about that process. There's this thing called the seven stages of grief that basically talks about as humans on this planet, we need to go through different emotions to fully, fully break down a situation understand it and appreciate it for what it is. And so there is the shock, there is the denial, there is the anger, there is the depression, there is the questioning, then there is the appreciation and the gratitude and the acceptance of it, being able to fully understand it and then move on and be a stronger, wiser, more grateful person because of it. And heart theory speaks to all of that. It starts in the place of shock and it ends in a place of acceptance. And through that, I was able to talk about my story as a little girl, you know, get to a place that was so vulnerable, talking about being um, a survivor and being sexually assaulted when I was a little girl, which is nothing I've ever shared and ever really wanted to talk about because I didn't want to be one of these artists who just talked about things to get attention. But I, I was doing work with an organization in the States at that time um, called Youth for Tomorrow, and they dealt with um, kids who were age 12 to 18 who had been victims of of sexual assault or domestic abuse or, or sex trafficking and um, very difficult things to talk about, very difficult things to write songs about. Mm -hmm. And yet I was just so inspired from working with these kids. I would, I would sit in these conference rooms listening to, you know, 12 year old little girls talk about these horrific things that they've been through with so much light in their eyes and light in their heart. And I'm like, if this 12 year old little girl can talk about this and inspire me, then who am I to say that I am like not talking about my story or sharing part of what makes me me thinking that it won't have an, an impact on somebody. And maybe somebody needs to hear that message in order to then pass on their inspiration to somebody else. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, it's time to write about this. And so I wrote a song called make you on heart theory, which um, has probably been one of the most vulnerable things that I've ever talked about in a song and yet has awoken this thing in me as a writer that um, I am so grateful for and and I feel like has changed the way I write songs for the rest of my life and um, and it's just been it's been a scary process to release a record like Heart Theory and something that I am really grateful for um, just being able to connect with people in that way, being able to get thousands of DMs from fans after releasing it, being like, thank you for writing this music. I, I'm now wanting to share my story with other people or wanting to reach out and get help. And I've never felt this way, or I've just been too scared before. And I'm like, if there is anything about music, that is the reason. That is the reason why I think that we listen to music as human beings on this planet to connect, to feel things, to process our emotions that we aren't able to fully articulate ourselves sometimes. So we put on a song that helps us feel it. And 
and and listen to lyrics that help us help us speak it or put it into words when it just feels like it's too much it's like too much joy or too much sadness or too much pain to to communicate music has this universal language to be able to communicate it it's why i'm so obsessed about like incredible songwriters who write songs in the perfect way like listening to Joni Mitchell or Carol King like and be like whoa they wrote that in a song like they wrote those lyrics yeah. which is mind baffling and so yeah heart theory was just like the peeling of that next layer of the onion of of being like this is this is who i am and this is what i want to say and this is how i want to connect to my fans and maybe people who've never heard of me ever in their life and um and maybe they can listen to a song and connect to it and be like oh yeah I know what that is I, I know what that feels like I've, I've been there before um because I think that that's the point of of music yeah I, I am in so much agreement there and I think you know as someone who who couldn't who cannot sing a tune and couldn't write a song for the life of them it's um, so important and and so great that people write those songs for us um which I'm sure you you're well of course you did and um, obviously you didn't get to kind of tour the record straight off the bat because of a global pandemic did you obviously two years later playing the songs now is it kind of a really emotional experience because I say you put your heart and soul and that they are they're heavy songs in, in a good way some of them of course what's it like playing them live and also playing them kind of two years after you started to share them Leah it feels so special to be able to bring this music to life um you know I think the most incredible thing about a great song is it doesn't even matter when you sing it because you can or when you hear it you can tap into that emotion. And if it's something that you've lived, it's like, oh yeah, I'm there, I'm there. If it happened years ago, I am right there right now. And so being able to tour this record live now, um, it's it's so cool. I, I mean, I'm, I'm brought back to where I was two years ago and three years ago and and um, finally getting to bring these this music to fans around the world. You know, like I said earlier, being able to see that this music made it across the world to them and they know the lyrics to these songs, which is just mind baffling. And I've never played this, this record in this town before and yet they're singing along. Like, what is this? This is crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get back to the UK for the first time since the pandemic. I'm so excited to be on tour with the Cadillac 3 and playing the Long Road Fest. Um, it is, it is going to be a, a time long welcoming and, um, and, and I'm, I'm just so excited to be able to, to bring this music to life over there. I, I can't wait to hear it. I know there's a lot of people that are in the same boat very quickly, because we're going to have to wrap up relatively soon, but I want to talk about, there is new music coming that you're working on a third album. You have a, a single that came out in April. Um, I wrote this down because I, I remember seeing it when you posted about it on Instagram and I was like, that's how so many people are feeling right now. And you posted um, with the single, if you ever feel like you've fallen behind in life, this is for you, this song, and it's called Right On Time. Is that a, a, you know, a hint to what the theme of the next record is going to be? Is What can you tell us? 
Yes, Leah, thank you for asking about that. I feel like Right on Time is my theme song right now. I feel like this is something that I am truly living and I hope that a lot of people who hear this song can connect to what this message is. Um, shortly after I turned 30, it felt like all of my friends were getting married and having babies and checking all of these life boxes that I was nowhere near close ready to check yet. And I was like, am I falling behind? Am I living life the wrong way? What am I missing here? As I'm on the road 280 days a year or whatever. Um, and and I, I just wanted to write a song. It was so important to me to write something with the message of saying, no, 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 we are all writing our own story. We are the playwrights to our own plays. We are letting things happen in our life in the time that they should. And we should not be comparing ourselves to someone else's path because that's their path. And that is the trajectory that they're on. And we don't want that trajectory. We want our own. And whatever that means, if you do something like five years after or five years before, you know, who you're, you're seeing on social media or listening to societal pressures or listening to friends and family pressures, it's all there. And sometimes it's all there so much that it's happening more in our subconscious brain than our conscious brain. And we don't even realize like the strong effects that it have, that it has on us um, in our day-to-day -day lives. And, and I think that it's just important to, to remember that we're doing this right on time that we should, like everything in our life is happening right on time as it should. And specifically to women, I think that this song, you know, can connect to anybody, but specifically to women, because I feel like we feel that societal pressure far more than anybody else, um, you know, hitting the right time in our life, the time to be beautiful, the time to maybe be a mother, the time to, to um, go after the career of our dreams. And, and there's a lot of pressure on us to hit that timing right. And I feel like it is, um, it's so important and valuable to remember that we get to write that perfect timing. And to officially say, you can never be late to your own party. You can never be late to your own party that you're throwing. I'm gonna, that's gonna be my new tagline for life. <laughs> and it's so true and, and you're so right. And I think, especially the, the, and talking about timings, the timing of it being released, you know, after we've all come out of this very uncertain time period and no one really knows whether they're coming or going. Um, so I love that. And I love that that's gonna be the theme around the new record, which I am sure there was a lot of people just like me, very excited to hear. Um, before, I, before I let you go, I do have three questions that I end every podcast with. Um, yeah. They are all around threes. Um, the first one, I think I'm going to guess one of your answers already, but uh, three albums you, you can't live without. Oh my goodness, three albums I can't live without. Um, Continuum, John Mayer, obviously. Oh. Um, Tapestry, Carol King, the writing on that record is just uh, life-changing for me. And um, oh my goodness, this is so hard. I would say... It's down between two, but um, I will say the woman in me, Shania Twain, that like formulated me as a human, as, mm -hmm. as a little girl. I was also going to say Jimi Hendrix, but Shania, you know, <laughs> Shania takes in about that. It's, it's <laughs> uh, we have, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to have to put in this situation because Continuum has been said more than anything else. We've been doing this for two years and it gets said 
a lot. Really? Um, that makes me so, so happy. It deserves I, that. I added on an additional question and okay. it's the toughest question I think ever to answer. But if you could only pick one song from that record, what would it be? Uh, that's so hard. <laughs> That's why. I've been asked like, that a lot after just recording it. I mean, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room is such a perfectly written song to me. And you can play that song to so many different people, um, different ages, different walks of life, different languages, different countries. And it connects to them in so many different ways. Um, so I'd have to say probably that one with Stop This Train Coming is a very close second because I feel like the message of that song is so relatable and it's just, um, it's, uh, it's just so powerful with, I mean, the live version of belief. This is a terrible question to ask me because I'm so biased <laughs> to every song on that it. album. And I'll be like, well, this, but this, but this, but this, but this. Um, but yeah, if I was only given one, probably slow dancing. Yeah. It's funny because it was being said so much I was like I need to make this more interesting I need to challenge people <laughs> um but then if someone asked me that I'd you know crash and burn with an answer so um the next one and again this we might repeat but three songs that you wish you'd have written goodness gracious um I can't make you love me Bonnie Raitt I love that song so much through and through. It is just so perfectly written, um, you know, learning about it. It took over like five writing sessions or something to complete. And it's just such a good example of like simple writing is sometimes the hardest songs to write, but the most impactful and relatable. Um, uh, I mean, Natural Woman, again, like preach to Carol King and like, just the beauty she has as a writer and and watching how much that song has been recorded and um and and it just speaks to god bless again like simple <laughs> writing but great writing yeah and then this third one will be a little bit of a left sider because i could i could have so many answers to this question as well but um heart of the matter don henley like i've been trying to get down the heart of the matter. It's just so good. When you read the lyric of that song, it is so good, so honest. Um, you know, it all comes down to forgiveness. Who who can't connect to that lyric? Mm -hmm. I love that. And funnily enough, I Can't Make You Love Me is also probably one of the most popular answers that people say. So it just goes to show that good Amen. music is, is great music. Um, Amen. And then final question. And again, I'm sure there's so many answers for it, but that's why I narrow it down to three. But three artists or producers or writers that you you haven't yet worked with that are kind of bucket list for you who you'd like to work Ooh, with? Oh, I like this question. Um, I will say Ed Sheeran. I would love to write or tour with Ed. I just have looked up to him and his writing and, um, you know, who he is as an artist and the way he's performed for so long. Um, oh, gosh, this is so hard. Um, Joni Mitchell, goodness, I would not be the songwriter I am today without Joni Mitchell. And, you know, she just got inducted and and um, she's just like all hail Joni Mitchell. Um, it would be amazing to write with her one day. And, um, oh man, this is so difficult. Um, and my third choice will be, 
I mean, I kind of would love to write a song with Shania one day. Like, how cool would that be, that right? That would be amazing. And um, so possible. I mean, I won't rule it out. I will definitely keep my fingers crossed. So I will not rule that it out. Definitely, <laughs> I can see that happening. 100%. That's, yeah. We'll tag her. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to tag her because you can see her, but, you know, <laughs> all that we can do to help. I know I love that. I mean, she would be on, on my bucket list of people to just be in the same room as so I, I get that completely um I'm gonna wrap it up there but I'm so excited so you're coming over to the UK in just a couple of months you're obviously touring with the Cadillac through which is going to be amazing and playing the long road so we're super excited to have you here congrats on all the success and I can't wait to hear more but thank you so so much for for sitting down and chatting it has been an absolute pleasure Leah, I just appreciate you so much. Thank you for being such a fan of mine. Thank you for doing such wonderful research and having great questions and um, and having this podcast. I, I just appreciate people who appreciate songwriters and lyrics. Um, we are so excited to come back to the UK, my favorite fans in the world. And um, yeah, it's just going to be such a great year. It's going to be great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Leah. I appreciate you.